Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our latest Royal Blue podcast. And uh, it's quite a special one this week. It's an international podcast because on the line from Switzerland, and we're all deeply envious, is uh, Phil Kirkbride, our Everton correspondent, who's uh, with the Blues. I was in Verbier. I think I pronounced that right, have I, Phil? Yes, although I can't really comment on the pronunciation of the the language. I'm I'm, uh, (laughs) muddling my way through with a lot of pointing and and various things. But uh, yeah, no surviving in the... uh, the Alpine Sun. I'm sure you're doing fine. And I'm joined by uh, our Royal Blue regulars, Adam Jones and Gavin Buckland, and myself, obviously, David Prentice. Uh, so, first things first, Phil, we've had, uh, you know, sort of big transfer news breaking overnight. Uh, confirmation that uh, Fabian Delph has uh, signed for the Blues uh, for an undisclosed fee, as they do nowadays, but we believe it's, you know, eight and a half million, possibly rising to ten. Uh, how soon do you think he'll be out there? Is he on his way now? Has he arrived yet? Have you clapped out his own? Yeah. I have actually, yes. He was. He actually flew in uh, last night and obviously signed the deal and did all the uh, glitzy uh, promotional stuff and, and, and the obligatory uh, interview with the club channels. And uh, yes, I saw him this morning walking uh, to the cable car with the rest of the squad, which <laughs> takes them down from their hotel to the bottom of the valley where they're training. So uh, yeah, first training session for him this morning. And I imagine he'll be right into the into the thick of it and, and you would imagine um, in line to play some part on Friday against Monaco Cable cars I don't know my, my first pre-season to Switzerland it was mountain bikes we used to have to get there so <laughs> <laughs> the, the game's gone the game's gone um, no this, it seems to be a, a signing that uh, I don't know it's divided the fan base uh, in, in some areas I mean guys what, what do you two think are you quite pleased with the uh, acquisition of Delph do you think there are question marks I th- no I don't think there's any question marks at all I think he's yeah. a fantastic signing I mean you look at the current transfer market, the way it stands, I think eight and a half million is buttons, really. It's yeah. next to nothing. And obviously, we don't know what kind of wages Delft's picking up, and, you know, that might affect the fee a little bit more. But, you know, we're signing somebody here who's won the Premier League title two seasons on the bounce. Yeah. He's a player that Pep Guardiola obviously trusts uh, very highly. Uh, seems to remember it. a couple of seasons ago, he was playing a lot of games at left-back, wasn't he? You know, that yeah. kind of shows the amount of faith that, you know, probably the best manager in the league as in in him as a player I think he's got bags of quality bags of experience which you know I know Everton are trying to build you know this young energetic squad but you need that balance of experience as well and bringing in someone like Delph for you know this kind of fee I think it's an absolute no-brainer Gav you agree um, with that? 50-50 but yeah. getting more 70-30 in his favour right. I, think, I think last week that was week only I was because 50. of me <laughs> yeah, no 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 uh, yeah well some of the some of the argument there is definitely last week I was thinking you know plays was it 10 games last year Premier League games yeah. last year and he was injured so was, his game time hasn't been that great last couple of seasons uh, and then I was thinking oh we played left back and then I was thinking then I, but actually Pep's left backs are more like midfielders aren't they mm. when City are on the sack they play that inverted system where he ends up playing in 
midfield anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, that's not necessarily playing like a left back for purpose, not necessarily like playing left back for another team. Mm-hmm. You, you do play in the middle a lot more. I, I suspect that's why he was used there. Um, and then I was thinking of his age, 29, you know, thinking, yeah, is that ideal? But the more I think about it now, you know, and Adam just explained there, the more it makes sense. I think that that phrase, uh, you know, good in the dressing room, that old yeah. hackneyed phrase appears to apply uh, for one. Two, I think gives the flexibility. He signed on a three-year deal. He, he can play left-back. If Leighton has one more year, we've already got another, somebody there who can play left-back at, at the club, so you don't, don't necessarily need to bring another left-back in. And I think his strengths may be something that we haven't got in the midfield of somebody who can bring it, bring it out um, from deep and uh, pass the ball. So, um, lack of game time notwithstanding, I'm 70-30 in his favour sure. from 50-50 last week. So, Phil, I mean, do you, do you think this is uh, just essentially a squad strengthening exercise or do you think there could be implications maybe for, you know, so other midfielders at the club? I'm thinking of maybe Morgan Schneiderlin and obviously Garner Gay's future, you know, is always the subject of debate. Have you heard anything surrounding those two players? I haven't, I, 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 you know, I understand people sort of put two and two together and, and have seen Delft's arrival signalling definitively the end of of, of, uh, of Idrissa's time at Everton, but I haven't, I haven't had that sort of confirmed or denied yet. But mm. um, I mean, the way the way the way Delft is talking is that he isn't here to to be just a squad player. He, sure. He's 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 been that at City, hasn't he? Um, and you know, played you know minimal game time last season. He had obviously had, he's had his interruptions with injuries and whatnot. But he's not talking as if he's here to to play a bit part. And um, you know, I, I think the couple of things that Gav said there that I think are important. I think. His flexibility. Yeah. Um, you get the impression that Delph is the type of player that could operate as successfully as a sort of defensive midfielder as he could a bit further forwards. Um, so, you know, I think I think he's he's putting pressure on um, a number of people's positions in the team. Um, and obviously, of course, in a, in a uh, an emergency situation, he could go left back. And the second one is, and as already been alluded to in in the sort of. Um, in the days, uh, you know, before his, his his signing was confirmed, we did this thing about leadership, and I think we've all we've all certainly seen, and I think a lot of us have been encouraged by that clip from the um, Manchester City documentary on Amazon, where he sort of just takes over the halftime team talk from Pep, yeah. and basically just gives the rest of the team, you know, what for, and 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 it really kind of airs his views strongly and, and very clearly, and I think, you know, I think that's been an issue. Certainly, for, for a number of supporters, a section of the fan base, that perhaps that level of leadership, you know, that vocal presence, perhaps is something that that recent sides have missed. And whether or not that that actually carries water or not, and, and whether you know how much truth is in there, I, I don't know. It's difficult, you know. It's you know, especially at bigger grounds in the league, it's difficult to actually pick out too many voices anyway. But um, Delph does not look like somebody who's shy at um, voicing an opinion, which. I think can only be a good thing. Absolutely. I mean, his arrival in Switzerland will clearly give a little bit of a extra edge, I would suspect, mm-hmm. you know, sort of training sessions and to the, uh, to the camp itself. I mean, what, what's it been like there so far? I mean, obviously you've been there for a few days now. You saw the game at the weekend. Um, mm-hmm. So is there, is there a very focused mood? Is there, a, is there an upbeat mood? I mean, uh, how can you describe things out there? Um, I mean, I mean, the players generally are keeping themselves to themselves. Um, 
often doing double sessions uh, nice. mid morning and then afternoon. Um, obviously, they trained on Sunday morning and then played um, Sunday afternoon. So that's kind of that's very much the feeling. I think at the minute, I think they really kind of stepped up um, that side of things. And, yeah. and Sigurdsson was saying after the game on Sunday that. The, the games at this stage aren't particularly about necessarily about performance, but getting through them and, and, and building up uh, physically. I think more towards uh, you know the back end of preseason will be a little bit more uh, tactical, tactical and what have you, and we'll see a, a more recognisable um, eleven and, and players instead of just playing forty-five more. We'll start getting sixty, seventy minutes and building up to ninety. So uh, the feeling going into this trip was that this was where Marco was really going to knuckle down and get some focus work done. The first, the first week back was obviously with a kind of fractured squad, you know, heavily reliant on young players to make up numbers, and obviously culminating in that, um, you know, sort of whirlwind trip to Nairobi and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 a, and a friendly that, you know, particularly didn't really catch fire for Everton's point of view and didn't go as planned, but. Um, no, the, the feeling was that this was always going to be the kind of the real start for him for pre-season. They came out on Thursday and they'll fly uh, fly back after the game on Friday. So, um, focus. I've seen a couple of the players um, knocking around um, Verbier, you know, in their spare time. But, you know, as as often with these with these instances, they train in the morning and the time between the, the session sessions rather is um, is really for rest. And, yeah. They're probably just just taking it easy because they have to put everything into into the sessions um, each day. I was quite interested as well with a, an interview you sent over from earlier in the week. Uh, the other preseason signing so far, Jonas Lossell, who you know we all saw as you know so a backup goalkeeper, somebody who's there if needed. Uh, yeah, quite a quite a robust you know set of quotes. Uh, basically being informed by Marco Silva and Marcel Brands to challenge Jordan Pickford. And you know, the, the actual quote was, they wanted me to come in and give Pickford some pressure and they've told me to come in and go for it. Um, I mean, that, do, do we see evidence of that yet? Has he been uh, <laughs> throwing himself around the training pitches? Has, he, uh, you know, has his demeanour been um, around the training camp? I think I think immediately he seems to have integrated himself within the squad very well. I get the impression that he's quite popular already and, yeah. and liked and he is... Um, He's a very easy guy to talk to. As for what's going on on the pitch, he's played two forty-fives, and in Kenya didn't have a great deal to do. And obviously, he was was powerless to sort of uh, stop the penalty shootout defeat, really. Sure. But um, and again, again on Sunday against Sion, he didn't have a great deal to do. But um, as I, as I wrote in my piece, you know, of what he did have to do was mainly his distribution, and actually was quite impressed with with the way that he. You know, he was uh, playing out from the back at one point, coming out and, and, and clearing the lines with his head. So uh, it's early days, but I think he's, he's he's doing everything right in that respect. Uh, you know, I think obviously it'll take a significant dip in Pickford's form or the form that we would expect of Jordan of course, yeah. for, for, for Jonas to be right at the top of his game for there to be any long-term change at this stage. But look, you know, I, th- I think that's what he is. He's coming in to put pressure on Jordan and that the inference there, of course, is that you know as as much as Marco praised the professionalism of of Stecklenburg um, towards the end of the season and and said that he'd been doing everything right. Obviously, the feeling is that perhaps at that stage of his career, he isn't quite putting adequate pressure on on Jordan. Um, but that Jonas will, you know, he's back to back seasons in the Premier League, difficult ones, but he's obviously come out of it with uh, a lot of credit and. Look, I mean, if, if this ultimately, as, as, as Lossell says in, himself in the interview, ultimately, if this brings out the very best in John Pickford and this helps Everton 
win more matches, then he's he's done his job, hasn't he? Absolutely, 100%. Right, well, we're going to let Phil go now. Our international jetter said he's gone from Kenya uh, to, to Switzerland. Uh, but we'll be speaking to him again uh, before before the end of the week, no doubt, before the, uh, the game on Friday night. Uh, but myself, Adam and Gavin will carry on the conversation. So cheers, Phil. We'll, uh, cheers, we'll speak to you before the weekend. Enjoy, enjoy, the, yourself, uh, enjoy the, rest of the rest of the week. Cheers. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, chap, sounds like he's, uh, you know, sort of having fun out there. Uh, but I know you said uh, before we went out on air, Gav, that you've got you know, a few reservations about this uh, this pre-season set-up. Um, yeah, it's just, just generally about pre-season. It, it's, you know, dare I say, Dave, when you were reporting <laughs> on pre-season not so long ago. You know, I'm, glad if, you, I'm, glad you listening. I'm glad you had a yeah, yeah. so long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 everybody turns up. You know, that was, it was like the yeah. first day at school, wasn't it? You know, everybody was expected to be there at whatever time. Yeah, and now it's become totally fragmented for me sure. uh, for lots of different reasons. Um, you know, We've still got effectively as a Sagana Gage playing last season. Well, <laughs> he plays his final game on Friday, yeah, doesn't yeah, he? So the the tail end of yeah. last season has yeah. gone into the start of this season. And you've got players who are on holiday. Um, so consequently, you, you, you know, I'm just wondering how difficult it is for, for coaches and and the manager to plan, uh, you know, an effective pre-season on, on that basis. Because um, you've got to give players time off, different things. And it, it, I know it affects all clubs, but it's just, it's just generally, especially like ourselves, who maybe don't have the resources of like, some of the bigger clubs in the Premier League, it just makes things difficult for me. And, mm. and I, I alluded to it tonight. It's a bit like when you're playing five sides, you kick off eight, eight <laughs> it's only six there, then two turn up five minutes later, then another two, you know, coming after 10 minutes, ten minutes invariably with the wrong kit. Yeah. And, you know, it just makes for a disjointed game. And, and, and I think pre-season's getting more and more like that and maybe get even worse as the, as the years go ahead, you know. I mean, th- this pre-season I think is quite strange generally because, you know, apart from kicking off with a real long-haul trip, you know, in Kenya, uh, which I know is part of the, uh, you know, sport-paced obligation, but it seemed like, you know, a strange one to start with that. Uh, we've then got the Swiss training camp and two decent games. Mm. Then goes to Wigan next week, but then there's this strange two 45-minute matches against... Hour-long matches. Oh, sorry, hour-long matches yeah. with different teams. I can't get my head around that. I mean, I've never seen that before. I mean, I presume you've never heard of that kind no, of uh, I, setup I, before. No, I don't think I've ever heard of that kind of setup before, but I think it's. I think it'll actually be an interesting sort of benefit. I presume yeah. we'd play two separate 11s in both of those games, and with them being hour-long games, it'll be a nice little way to transition from yeah. you no know, players playing... Maybe only having getting forty five minutes to then just being thrown straight into like an hour long thing. It would be interesting to see will it be two two half an hour halves, presumably. Well, I was gonna say, Gav, as our resident statistician, yeah. does that count as a pre season friendly? No, it's only sixty minutes. We didn't do it in nineteen ninety eight under Walter. We played two twice on the same day, forty five minutes. It was some mad. Oh god, mad I, I was on that tour. I don't Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to embarrass you today, but yeah, yeah. Well no, I remember, I remember one. I remember one, yeah. No, I remember one. the Mike Walker one, but yeah. that was uh two forty five minute games because yeah. uh, it was in Aosta and uh, Everson played Torino first for forty five minutes. Might have been uh, might have been the one I was one, thinking two nil. But then the Italians, you know, clearly carved it up between themselves. Everson then went off yeah. while Torino played Lazio. Uh, so effectively played 45 minutes, had a mm-hmm. half-time break, then played another 45 minutes. Lazio played their 45 minutes yeah. and then played Everton after Everton had had a, 
effectively an hour off the pitch, the legs stiffening up. The same 11 players came back out and got battered 4 0 yeah. by you know, sort of Gascoigne's Lazio. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, whether they counted as full games. I think, it, I think there was one in 1998, which I think you did, some mad scoring system that, like, I think you described that you needed to have, like, a box from NASA to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to. I think we didn't win either of our games, but because yeah. we won one of them on a penalty shoot, that was, we ended up as champions of the three team oh, tournaments. Um, yeah, it's, very yeah, good it's a bit of an odd one, but that's what I mean. It's just. It, it, pre-season now is becoming slightly different to what it used yeah. to be like years ago and, and I'm not sure whether it, it suits us and what, what have we got now till the start of Premier League three weeks I mean it, it, it's, it's hard to really do things a different way though isn't it like say the players that we've still got out now with uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin Richarlison Yeri Mina they've all been involved in yeah. international yeah. tournaments like you do need to give them the, this sort of Time off because they'll have went straight from you know Everton training into international training in a lot of cases, won't they? So yeah, I, I do understand the point you're trying to make that preseason has absolutely changed, but it, it, I think it's a change that's essentially out of Everton's control. No, no, and it's, it's all teams' control. Yeah. I don't, and, and, and I get that. I'm just saying that it's not. It can't be ideal. I mean, I know the alternative to the African Cup of Nations is you play it in January, February, and you ruin it even more. Then and yeah. I get that. It's just to me, it must be frustrating for managers mm. and, and coaching staff where you've got people coming back at irregular interview intervals. Some maybe coming back a bit later than what they were expected on certain occasions. Uh, and <laughs> uh, yeah, and, you know, it's just it just it, it doesn't seem right to me because you now got a position where what have we got? What was saying three weeks to the end of the. Starts of the season, something like yeah, that. Three, that yeah, three or four weeks. But so all our players now, there'll be three or four of them now. We're going to have most of that, you know, that time off, isn't it? Richarlis and Mina, just a guy going to have like quite a bit of time mm-hmm. off. Um, and you were saying, Plan about wasn't Nev given some time off? And, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my first pre season tour was in uh, the summer of '93, I think it was. And um, yeah, it was in Switzerland, a place called Balstall. A uh, little sleepy village in the middle of Switzerland, and uh, it was it was a great trip. You know, thoroughly enjoyed. It. But yeah, Neville Southall was given special dispensation to come five or six days later than everybody else, and it was not because he'd been in international duty. It was because he was Neville, and didn't, Neville didn't like being away from home, and so Howard was happy to indulge him and say anything to keep Neville happy. So you know, yeah, I was just sat. You know, we, we were allowed to dine. You know, so with the management and the players, yeah. um, and I was uh, sat in the uh, in this like you know sort of big. Hall where the you know the players were having their um, having their dinner and you know Neville came in ordered a pot of tea because uh, that's what he drank and immediately christened me TJ Hooker because apparently it looked like <laughs> TJ Hooker who was there. Uh, William Shatner played him, didn't he? On yeah, Saturday, yeah, yeah, and that, yeah, that yeah. stuck. I mean, every season now he calls me TJ. He's uh, that's Neville for you. <laughs> but, when, when you're the greatest goalkeeper in the world, you can you can do what you like. Yeah. But no, I mean, you say it's only three weeks to the start of the uh, the Premier League season, which is not that long a period of time. Uh, but mm. there has been a little bit of other transfer activity. One that particularly caught my eye was Anthony Robinson. Uh, mm. You know, sort of ending his uh, spell at Everton now and going to Wigan permanently. Now, he's a player that, you know, people had quite high hopes for, didn't they? Yeah. You know, he was a Jedi, as his nickname, you know, mm. he was on, you know, absolutely, you know, proper physical specimen, you know, real, a real unit, uh, and a full USA international as well. Mm. And yet, you know, so two million quid seems, you know, so to me quite modest. I mean, have we missed the trick there, or does it just indicate how, you know, high our levels are now that we can afford to let a, you know, potentially solid player like him go? I'd, I'd like to think it's the latter, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, his, his most impressive out of the two loan spells was his first one against, uh, when he went to Bolton. Yeah. And uh, that's when he first pushed his way into the US international side. And, you know, by all accounts, he was absolutely fantastic for Bolton yeah. during that spell. Uh, 
It was a bit different at Wigan last season. Uh, he was in and out of the side at the start of the term, then he picked up a long-term injury, missed three months of the season through injury, but by all accounts worked his way back into the side mm. and finished the campaign really strongly. But I think he was probably affected really badly by, for one, Luca Dean coming in and performing so well, and for two, Leighton Baines making the decision that yeah. he could, he could mm. give it another year and stay on. And... <sighs> You could you couldn't really loan him out again. Like if there if there was a permanent offer on the table, you know, two million pounds, sure. three million pounds, like with Everton trying to recoup as much money in wow. terms of transfers and wages as they possibly can, it, it might be a shame that he's a young player that's gone out on loan, but he's never really made that breakthrough to the first team, and it's something that Gav brings up. A lot of times, you know, you've got to you've got to call time on these youngsters at some yeah, stage. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, well, can I throw another name into that mix then? Because looking at the list of players out on loan, I mean, Luke Garber, Ipswich Town, Joe Virginia, Reading, understand that one. He needs exposure. Mm. Sandro, no one else is going to pay his wages, so mm. you know he's got to go to Real Valladolid. John Joe Kenny, again, you understand that he wants first team exposure. That's mm. good for him. But Kieran Dowell, Derby County, that's the one that is maybe the time right to call time on him you know so that's is that three loans he's had now or is it the third he's uh, second Forest Forest, uh, yeah. was, was Forest Sheffield United, Sheffield United. Was, it is the yeah. third you know third loan deal yeah. I mean are we are we going to see significant developments you know to allow him to come back and become an Everton footballer it's quite, quite interesting this isn't it and it, it sort of points to the wider strategy within the club that for all the talk about like bringing through academy players and all that, you, you operate in the here and now, don't you? And yeah. sort of want, want to set standards to get you successful. And to be honest with you, there's a warning there, or not warning, there's a worry there that for players in, in, in and they're still there at the club who were in that 20 to 23 year old, old bracket who were yeah. still at the club. So you got technically you got John Joe Kenny, like I would say, played last year, but you know, it also applies, I think, to. to Calvert-Lewin yeah. also applies to Tom Davis uh, Williams as well who's not played for the I don't think he's played for the first team Joe Williams no, no, no. so there's still every everybody in that age group bracket to me is really vulnerable in terms about what their future is within the club and whether actually collectively they will have a future and, and including Calvert-Lewin and, mm. and, and Davis in that because I think you did the piece yesterday about like what our midfield options are mm. and we've got a hell of a lot of midfield options haven't we uh, or players in midfield that maybe you would absolutely have to have to offload and I um, I'm not I'm not sure whether it signals that we'll be prioritising bringing through and developing players in that 20 to 22 year old bracket who have been at the club you know, since they were in entered the academy, um, and you know the, the sign in itself sort of yeah. uh, speeds that up a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's it, it's 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 sad, but I mean, we've got to get players off the books, as Adam, mm. Adam says, and get get the wages off the books. You know, even at, at a slightly lower level. You know, well, that's been one of the big priorities, hasn't it? Trying to lose players this mm. summer, and when you're seeing Kevin Morales, you know, starting at right back in a pre-season <laughs> friendly at the weekend, you realise just how many you know some names that are still there that mm. still need to be shed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think that I think the sign in Adelph only highlights that even more. You know, we've got James McCarthy there, who you know he's yeah. sort of made no secret of his desire to try and leave the club this summer. You know, we've still got a limited amount of time to try and make sure that happens. Now, Mo Besic, who spent a season yeah. and a half out on loan, now yeah, it's incredible. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. <laughs> Middlesbrough don't yeah. seem that keen on a permanent transfer. You know, yeah. we've got to try and find a new club for him. I think Delph is instantly a upgrade on 
a pair of those two yeah. at least. Yeah. And then the other interesting point I think, and I made it in the piece yesterday, is on around Tom Davis because he's played a lot of his first team football at least in I'd say a more deeper role uh, than he was probably used to mm, for yeah. the under twenty threes. But in the first two games in pre season he's been playing in attack yeah. and mid, like almost in the Gilfie Sigurdsson sort of role. Nice where you'd usually expect, you know, like Kieran Dowell to be playing if he was here. But it could be interesting to me to see if Tom Davis is to be Sigurdsson's backup in that attacker midfield That's role a good shout for the, that, cause for the I mean, coming if you, season. If you think of some of his performances, you know, so in recent years, some of his brighter performances tend to have been you know, further forward. Everyone yeah. remembers the Man City goal. Yeah. But was... Um, was it away at Huddersfield last season yeah. where he helped create the uh, you know the only goal mm-hmm. as well? You know he yeah he does uh, have that in his I, in his locker as they say. Yeah, he? I think at his age he'd be better off playing further up the pitch because I think yeah. you've got to be disciplined and experienced to play a deeper role. I mean, yeah. you just think uh, you've got to, you've got to have a little bit more football and now that that you you only get with experience. The other one has gone as well as Shani Tadashaz, whatever. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. I've never actually not, seen not, him. Not confirmed yet. It's on its way. On its yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. What going permanently or no on on a, uh, on the loan? loan. Right. Yeah. Well, he's got one year left on his contract, hasn't yeah. he? So if he does so go on be, loan, it'll be a garbled sort of situation. Yeah. This loan will be the end of his career anyway. Yeah, so it's fine. Yannick Balassi, I presume he's still on the books, is he? Or? Still on the book. He's been yeah. at the African Cup of Nations himself, hasn't right. he? Uh, with uh, Congo. So yeah. it, presumably he's got another extended period yeah. of time off before he returns. Everton have got their asking price for him. So it's whether either they accept a lower price for him or somebody comes in and meets that price. It's it's all yeah. it's all still up in the air with a few weeks to go now. No, but on your point there, Dave, though it is, I think Davis. That would if he was going to play in the first team, that would be preferred role. But you've got Gilfie there, haven't you? Now, and mm. you know it's going to be difficult to dislodge somebody who costs forty-eight million pounds, isn't it? Really, <laughs> and who played really well yeah. last season, you know, for the whole campaign. So it's always good to have a backup option, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a good point, actually. Is is we haven't really got one really unless you were going to play Bernard maybe in that central sort of role. I, I think he did that a couple of times. Weight, isn't he? Well, yeah. Bernard, yeah. Would you play Delph or Delph's a deeper player? Isn't he? Charleston could he even yeah. play there. It's, mm. yeah, it's... yeah, so it's a good point. Yeah, and maybe that's one of one of the thinking, you know, one one of the thoughts uh, behind the, uh, you know, that policy. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Is it is it a make or break season for Calvert Lewin Davis? You think in the first in the first team? If you don't get in this year, or we get a striker in, or whatever, is that it? Possibly, possibly. I mean, what do you think is the next priority then, as far as you know, acquisitions goes? Because we've only got three weeks to the start of the season, like we say. Obviously, Gomez is permanent now. Fabian Delph, you know, mm. so both play similar parts of the field. Where, I mean, we've talked before about maybe bringing cover stroke, you know, so back up for Seamus Coleman. Maybe uh, a striker. I mean, what what is the priority? What do you think, Adam? What do you think is absolutely necessary before the season starts? <laughs> I've been I've been saying for the last few weeks they're probably right back, but I, I think I've I think I've changed my mind. I think I, I want a striker, Stri- a, stri- yeah. a striker or a forward, yeah. like because you know I know I know we're not meant to take a lot from these opening preseason games, but you know we're still playing Umani ass up front in yeah. these preseason games. I mean that's <laughs> like I mean that's not going to really help him. That's not going to help us. Like, I like the line of Phil's piece this week and the ass hasn't changed and he hasn't he's still the same as ever <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> it was a polite way of saying yeah, he's not getting any better he's, yeah he's just he's just not good enough to be yeah. playing up front for Everton anymore is he and 
you know, Everton fans are clamouring for this sort of new striker. You know, we need goals from somewhere. Like, I'm hoping Richarlison can step up and even better the goal return that he got last season. Fingers crossed Bernard will be able to chip in with a few more goals yeah. uh, next season. But, yeah, in that sort of central role, we either need Calvert-Lewin to really step Kick up and, find, and yeah. find the goal-scoring touch that he's not really shown evidence of as of yet, or we need to find another either a forward who can play across the front three or you know a more sort of central leading striker we just need something you can put the ball in the back of the net on a consistent basis really <laughs> you know if we're going to be challenging for trophies and we're going to be challenging you know for those top six places in the league etc you a lot of the time i know this isn't a be all and end all but a lot of the time you're going to need a striker who's going to get you 15 20 goals a season it's a massive help to any side and i don't think everton have got that yet no. and i think yeah that should absolutely be the priority. In agreement with that, Gav, yeah? Stryker and Zuma. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily in that order. Sure. I think Zuma would be my priority. Yeah. Um, and then Dennis Stryker. But both, both uh, um, uppermost uh, parts of the pitch that we need to, to get somebody for me. Um, yeah, I mean, if you think about the last last year, we were looking at both Richarlison and Sigurdsson were in good form. Andy no score. Was it? Would they score thirty Premier League goals? Seen them something yeah, like yeah. that, you know. You know, thirty goals all season. All you need is one of them to be injured or go off off the ball a little bit. and struggling because we just haven't got any goals elsewhere within the team, um, and that's why I like Delph coming in because hopefully it'll be, enable us to be a bit more productive from deeper on the pitch. So uh, yeah, yeah, striker and uh, centre half, but. The world and his wife's looking for a striker at the moment, aren't they? I see old man just name mentioned uh, <laughs> dispatches a couple of. And what about Costa? Was was would that be? We're led to believe that one? that's not, uh, not, not a direction that the club are looking in. Yeah, 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 yeah. In, in my head, like I, yeah. I just don't see no. the appeal of Diego Costa no. in any way. No, four or five years ago, yeah, you'd have absolutely loved to have seen yeah. him at the club, yeah. but. Uh, Introductions to Seamus Coleman would be quite interesting. Those two always seem to have some yeah. kind of head-to-head every time they played. Did they have an incident, Jordan? I oh know it was him and Gareth Barry, wasn't it? With the incident in the FA Cup game, wasn't it? The 2-0 win Yeah, yeah, but got Chelsea. sent off. It was the, Gareth Barry got sent off, didn't he, that game? He, uh, I can't remember. Yeah, he did, yeah. Did think, he? Yeah, I think cost. Yeah, I was just trying to think of Fabian Delft, didn't he, to Calvert-Lewin last <laughs> year at Man City? <laughs> yeah. So we've signed a hatchet, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, the, the Costa one just doesn't seem to fit in yeah. any kind of club model. You know, OK, Fabian Delft's 29, but, you know, so Costa is even older than that. And I think I'm right in saying, is it, what, two goals in the last, like, you know, yeah. so 18 yeah. months or something? You know, yeah. he's, he's a player that appears to be on the wane, you know, so rather than, you know, so even at a level that he used to be. So, no, that's, that's, that's not for the future. It's going to be hard to get a striker that, 15 to 20 goal a season strike are very hard to come by yeah. unless you want to spend an exhaustive well, amount Well, exactly. Of money, I was know? just about to say, you see in the news breaking today, you know, I was re- recording on Tuesday that Sebastian Haller's headed for a medical at West Ham, you know, 45 million for a young striker who's never played in the Premier League before. Yeah. You know, like, he's a very good player, don't get me wrong, but, you know, it's a big risk that West Ham are going to be taking, you know, and for that amount of money, you've got to be really making sure you're getting the right player on board and you know I've seen, I've seen a lot of fans over the last few weeks you know clamouring for this striker you know getting a bit nervous that we haven't got this striker in yet but mm. you know I, I just want Everton to get it right rather than to get yeah. to get him in quickly like as long as long as a striker is signed this window and it's the right player 
then I'm not strictly bothered whether he comes in tomorrow or whether he comes in on deadline day. Can you, just out that, can you see a position where they don't sign a strike if there's not one available, or do you think Marco will be forced to, to buy <sighs> one? I'd, I'd, I'd be concerned. You know, yeah. if we went into the start of the season, you know, all that run, run through to January with exactly the same personnel. Yeah. Could I see it happening? Yeah. Yeah. Do I think it should happen? No. Yeah. It's asking an awful lot of Dominic Calvert Lewin again. Uh, and Marcel Brands as well. The only, the only yeah. way I could see it happening is because in January the exact same thing happened, didn't it? The, you know, they said if the right player is available, we'll sign in January. But yeah. you know, when there was a lot of a lot of people saying that we needed to sign in January, we didn't. Mm. And I, I don't think I, I don't think the club's hierarchy would be scared of making that sort of decision again if if needs be. You know, if if it comes down to overpaying 10, 15 million on on a player, then a yeah. sign and no one. It's time for Tosin. Tosin, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Step up to the, uh, the plate again. So what are we expecting on Friday? We'll just briefly touch on uh, the game this Friday. We'll do another pod before then, uh, looking ahead to it properly. Uh, but uh, the third pre-season friendly against uh, Monaco, who uh, I don't know what time the French league starts, but I'm guessing they're going to be a couple of weeks behind us in preparations uh, in terms of fitness and what have you. But, you know, it's a quite attractive opposition. Mm. So it's, That's uh, good, good prestigious friendly, yeah. friendly isn't yeah. it, really? Mm. Yeah, I, I would expect to see what we've seen so far. I just think it's fitness at this yeah. stage. Mm. Getting players fit, getting them, you know, developed. Interesting to see where they're get some game time mm. how he fits in yeah. uh, and that's it for me I don't think at this stage whether performances and tactics and all that shape come into it just fitness yeah I'm not I'm not particularly too bothered about any sort of results as of yet I think when you get into the wards the uh, the sort of Wigan game next week I think that's when you want to see you know the tactical shape starting to come into things a little bit more you know when players are getting hours of game time rather than you know just your 45 minutes I yeah. think it's still going to be sort of 45 minute job on Friday so as long as you know we get we get play as many players as possible getting as much game time as possible you know especially the likes of you know your Sigurdsons mm. Dean Bernard uh, Keane mm. Pickford you know all those who've come back a little bit later than the rest of pre-season training I'd say maybe prioritise getting them as many minutes as possible uh, but yeah as long as long as we see you know we're reasonably energetic performance then I'm, I'm not going to be we, we, all that fussed. Yeah, we, we can get hung up on a pre-season results. I remember last summer, you know, going to Berry and seeing a, you know, a 1-1 draw there yeah. and then getting absolutely walloped in France, uh, you know, so looking like, you know, they were miles away and, you know, going into the start of the season quite apprehensive and then playing great at Wolves with 10 yeah, men yeah. on the opening day. So, yeah, you know, you can't really read a great deal into it at all, can you? Mm. So, we'll... Uh, We'll preview uh, Monaco more fully later in the week. And if anything does happen untoward that night, we're not going to be too concerned. No. So until then, we'll say uh, farewell to Adam and to Gavin and we'll get Phil back on the blower again from Switzerland uh, and we'll speak to you before then. So uh, don't forget to uh, tune in to our next Royal Blue podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.